Welcome back to the Roster Watch Podcast. My name is Alex Dunlap. Today, I bring you my conversation with Dan Bach. Dan's a radio host, a fantasy sports and sports betting pundit, who's considered by most to be the DFS community's ambassador and voice to the outside world. <laughs> He's currently the director of media at Roto Grinders. We talk about his professional background and how he built the now giant media arm of the Roto Grinders brand, how sports betting is changing the landscape and media focus among many in the industry, the future of content affiliate deals in a regulated sports betting market, his Jacksonville Jaguars in 2019, and much more. It's an awesome episode. I hope you guys enjoy it. You can support the Roster Watch podcast and get access to bonus podcasts every week featuring me, Byron Lambert, the Trash Man, and other great guests with a pro membership at rosterwatch.com. It's entirely due to the support of listeners like you that this is all possible, and we thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Now, on to my conversation with the man, the godfather, Dan Bach. This is Leonard Fournette, and he listens to Roster Watch. You heard about him coming in. He is the guy that I would consider the godfather of DFS, or at least... Dan, how, how do you feel about people calling you a guy that's sort of the... Um, you kind of Do you consider yourself a little bit of a spokesman for our, for our community here in the DFS space? Absolutely. I mean, thanks for having me, obviously, here, Alex. And uh, it, it's something that when you're like the first guy to do stuff, it, it kind of falls on your shoulders. To, to be that ambassador, to be the voice of the industry, people like to say. And, you know, I'm not doing quite as many podcasts today as I did when I started, but um, I absolutely take a ton of pride in trying to look at things from all angles, players, operators. And and it's pretty cool, though, to, to, to see how much the whole space is grown. And, you know, for the longest time, I was like the only guy doing podcasts. And now, you know, there's a gazillion <laughs> of them out there. And, uh, and it's great, though. But uh, yeah, I have no problem with that. And actually pretty proud of it. Yeah. And, and it's the thing that I loved about the, the Daily Fantasy Fix podcast that you used to do all the time. For one, like you said, it was like if we were playing these daily sports, especially during basketball or baseball season, the content just simply really wasn't there really wasn't that many podcasts to listen to there were, you know, you listen to the daily fantasy fix and uh, that's how I think how a lot of people got to, a lot of people got to know you. Of course, you're doing this stuff now in the serious XM fantasy and stuff, but you're also the director of media over there at Roto grinders. And I really wanted to talk to you about that media enterprise that you built that I've been, you know, at roster watch, we've been super proud to be a small part of with the stuff that we contribute. And um, it, it's one of my, I probably watch Roto grinders more than I watch like television. <laughs> it's like crazy. Yeah. I think they're probably a lot of people out there like me but before we get to get to that i i was really interested in meeting up with you guys in nashville here for the draft the roto grinders hometown was just the odd like were you a little bit tilted that you were in new jersey for this for this draft because nat nashville just came alive dude it put on its best nashville put its best foot forward and was just basically about the awesomest host for that event that i can imagine yeah the the visuals the numbers the just everything that came out of Nashville was incredible. And I think exceeded everybody's expectation, probably even the cities. So, you know, I did miss it a little bit. You know, I was in New Jersey for a sports betting conference. And, uh, you know, the, the exciting thing about that was, of course, 
I got to experiment on all these uh, sports betting apps that uh, are, are legal and regulated in New Jersey and, and slowly but surely expanding to a number of different states, a- including Tennessee potentially here, uh, you know, maybe by football season. And um, so it, it was pretty fun for me to, to kind of watch the draft from afar and be able to gamble on it, which, right. uh, which I, was, I was excited about because, you know, I think there was actually a lot more edge in that than you probably would get even just betting regular football. We can talk about that in a moment. But, um, but all in all, Nashville is an unbelievable town. I mean, it is growing leaps and bounds. It's getting expensive to live, which is always the number one sign of, you know, uh, a city really being on the up and up and, and, you know, there's just like so many cranes downtown. Like you, you, you were impressed by it now, wait another like two years and it's going to have a completely different look to it. And, uh, the city is just, it's booming right now. No doubt. It, Great city. It, it, it reminds me a lot of Austin. And I know that you're yeah. not from, you're not from Nash. Where, where are you from? Because you live in Jacksonville now. Where are you from originally? Yeah, I, I grew up in yeah, suburban Chicago is where I lived most oh, of my life. Okay. And then I went to college at Ohio University, kind of moved away from home. And then I moved to uh, Huntsville, Alabama for my first radio gig and then moved to Florida for my second radio gig and the rest is history. So I've kind of been a little bit of a nomad along the way. But uh, yeah, you know, Chicago boy, I don't say born and bred, but most of my life I lived there. Which 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 suburb? Uh, Arlington Heights. I lived right by the... Uh, the horse track over there. So I used to spend like literally every afternoon in, in high school, like junior and senior year, like when school would end, we'd go over and we'd bet the ponies like the last two or three races, like every day. So I've been pretty much degenerate. Um, most of my, uh, most of my teenage years into college years. And now, uh, it's kind of my job. So it's worked out nice. I was born. I was actually born. My parents got me back. My dad said he needed to get his son back to Texas ASAP, so they moved back. But I was born in Evanston, which I guess oh, is yeah. just just north. My parents say it's like that neighborhood where they film Ferris Bueller's Day Off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's it's uh, yeah, that's a great that it's actually a great area right by uh, Northwestern. Like, right. yeah, no doubt. That's where my, my mom was actually in school there at Northwestern. That's why they why they were up there. But so so you, did, like, did you get your degree in like radio, TV, and film and stuff, or how did you get into like broadcasting. Yeah, it was media studies. You know, I, I grew up, um, listening to sports talk radio and I wanted to do it like that. That was all I wanted to do. And then, um, you know, you kind of start learning about what it takes and, and, you know, I, I got into college and I was like, do I want to be journalism? I was like, eh, I don't know. Like, that's kind of a lot of work. You know, I'm not the best writer out there. And, uh, and I decided to go with like a media studies degree, which kind of covered a whole bunch of different things. But the key in any sort of trying to make it in the world of media is just to get an opportunity and, and do it. And right. I was lucky enough to really have some, some, some really good guys along the way who, um, who, you know, kind of like taught me the ways and taught me the ropes and gave me opportunities. And, and, you know, I had to fight and scrap for everything, you know, ever in summers, I would just, yeah, I, I interned for free, you know, and it's funny because now nobody likes working for free, but mm-hmm. dude, I mean, I grinded that out to, to kind of get in with the right people. And then ultimately, uh, uh, yeah, I kind of got to live my dream, got a job right out of college with uh, a guy that I knew in college and the rest was history. But like anything else, you know, especially with broadcasting today, 
like, I don't know if you need a four year degree for broadcasting. I think especially in today's world where anybody can start up a podcast and you can start building your name for it. It's all about repetitions. It's all about, you know, trying to be unique. And if you're unique and different, you're going to get noticed. Uh, but with that said, man, I'll tell you what, those four years I spent, you know, at Ohio university is probably like the best years of my life, like grew up so much. So I don't regret it, but I don't know if it's the path today that people need to take to be like a professional broadcaster. No, but no, but like you said, you got your first job from your buddy from college. It's like, sure. I mean, yeah. it's like, uh, I mean, that's, that's one of, that's, that, that's, yeah. that's half the reason that you go. Um, what, so when did you, so you go down to, you go down to Jacksonville, you're doing sports radio down there. When did you get on with the Roto Grinders guys? How did all this come together? Yeah, I actually started in Sarasota. That's where I was doing radio. Okay, met my Sarasota. wife there in Sarasota, which beautiful, by the way. I mean, I'm going to retire there. I don't know how I met my wife there because everybody's old, but I did. And it was <laughs> wonderful. Uh, and we're going to live there when we're uh, old and retired again. We'll go back. But uh, that's where I was doing radio and the station flipped formats when I was out there. So I was kind of out of a job, but I've recently been married, you know, we're kind of kicking around having kids and I'm like, well, you know, she's, my wife was an, is an engineer, so she does really well. She's very career oriented. And I was like, well, to do radio, you got to go where the job is. I don't really feel like moving around. Like we're just, we're married, going to just had a kid. I was like, yeah, we'll just follow her career and, and I'll figure something out. And, uh, lo and behold, I started playing DFS and, and that's when I realized I was like, wow, there is a huge opportunity here for somebody in the broadcasting space because it's the, it's some of the most engaging fantasy talk you can have because every day, every week is different. Mm -hmm. You know, especially back, you know, when the fantasy channel was just going on, it was like repetitive. It was the same stuff every day. Oh, we're talking about, you know, who to pick up in your baseball leagues. Uh, you know, you have your fantasy football draft. And then after that, it's like, you know, who do I pick up on the waiver wires? But I, I felt it was like stale. The talk was just kind of, there, there wasn't anything new about it where in DFS, the puzzle was new every day. And I knew people were going to need help to solve it because it takes a out of work. And, uh, I just kind of married the two and two together. I was like, okay, this is it. Like there's, there's something here. And I was like, okay, podcast, I can do that from home. I can figure this out, but I didn't have anywhere to like distribute it. Like, cause DFS was still pretty new at this point in time. And that's when I, uh, emailed Cal and cam, uh, over at Roto grinders. They'd been out for maybe about a year. I think I've done a little bit of like blogging over there. And I told them, I was like, listen, I know radio. I play DFS. So let me do a podcast for you. And they're like, okay. And they built me this whole podcast platform, which was awesome. And, uh, and I never looked back and I just grinded those podcasts, literally making nothing for money for the longest time and, uh, really got my foot in the door and showed them like, you know what, I can do more than just podcasting. And, and that's where, you know, I was able to kind of get a hold of the whole media, at Roto Grinders and, and kind of get it to take off. So uh, for once in my life, not my life, but you know, everybody also always has like, wow, oh, this sounds like a great idea. And most of the time it doesn't turn out. This was my great idea that actually was a great idea. And uh, it's pretty exciting to see it, you know, succeed. Yeah, no, and it, it, it's, it got bigger than life. Not to, not because I want to stay on this subject, but just, just to tell you, did, did you know that Byron just moved out to Longboat Key out there? I think that's just right you by know, Sarasota. 
Yeah, I met him. I met him when he came for the Jags camp. We had we went and had beers one night, and he mentioned to me that he was going to move out into uh, the Sarasota area. Yeah, I was like, dude, like I was like, that's awesome. He's like, yeah, I like to fish and whatnot. And I was like, you know, go for it. Just know that all your neighbors are going to be like sixty. (laughs) If you're okay with that, then just uh, go for it. But. Uh, yeah, yeah. Now he told me that last time uh, we we, uh, we chatted over beers. When did when did the when did the when did the switch go off in your head that we got to get this thing to video and we got to have these live shows going into lineup lock? Yeah, you know the 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 idea was, of course, my first idea was just like was the the XM show. It's like XM is perfect. You know, it's radio, it's live, people can call in. And then we started doing that, and then I was like, you know what? Like, why can't we do this on like our own platform and it was just perfect timing because uh, Google Hangouts had just started. Like, legitimately, the technology wasn't there. And then um, all of a sudden, it sprouted up that people could do these live videos and broadcast from their house onto YouTube. And I was like, wow, this is like perfect. And the first time we did it, I remember Cal looking at me and he's like, this is going to be huge. Like, this is going to be, you know, one of the biggest things that we do at this company. I was like, I think you're right. And sure enough, like it was just a home run because it was a way to engage with people uh, all over the country. You know, not everybody is in front of a Sirius XM radio, but most people who are building lineups are on a computer. So that's the one thing we know that that they 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 do have in front of themselves. So we were like, okay, if we can start talking lineup advice while people are building their lineups, it, it's going to really you know, it's going to be a winner. And, and it absolutely was. And, you know, looking back at some of the early shows, the technology wasn't great, but it's gotten so much better over the years. And we've got literally the best production team I could ever ask for. Um, Simon, Devin, David, all these guys just crush it behind the scenes and make it look like TV level production. It wasn't always that way. And it took us a while to figure out how to do it. But they've really, you know, helped us, you know, develop just unbelievable looking broadcasts. And obviously, you know, the number of people who we've had come through the doors and, and start at Roto Grinders is is incredible. You know, whether it's Al or Peter, you know, Tommy G, Draft Cheat, all these guys at one point in time started at RG and a lot of them have moved on and, and done their own thing, which is uh, which is pretty cool, you know, to kind of see it it'd be a, a good starting place for people to kind of uh, get their, their broadcasting career started. I mean, dude, I mean, siege, right. JM to win oh, Jeff yep. Collins, like a ton of these dudes, like a whole ton of these guys start. Well, how, what, how did you pick like, you're sort of, it seems like you're sort of in charge of pick. And I, t- I totally agree with, with what you say about Simon, you know, Devin, David, those guys behind the scenes are really, really awesome. They do a ton of work that probably a lot of people who are fans of Roto grinders might not, you know, might not really know that they put in, but they do it also kind of helping on the content side and, you know, yeah. what you're going to talk about. But, um, it like, how do you, did you always go through and just pick these people? Did they, like, did they reach out to you and say, Hey man, like I want to be on grinders live, like Derek Cardi or something like that. Is that something yeah. where you got to go to him and say like, Hey man, like, like, would you like to come on or be like, did you recruit these people? Do they come to you? Like, how does that work out as far as your hosts? It's it's kind of a mix, you know. Some guys I reached out to, and other guys reached out to me, and were like, "Hey, I want to do this," and I was like, "All right, you know, we've got an opening, you know, let's see what you got." And you know, some people have it, some people don't, and that's fine. You know, being on camera and 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 talking about 
fantasy isn't for everybody. Um, but there are some people who, you know, it just clicks for them. And, uh, you know, I, I think again, every case is different. There's definitely been some guys like Al, for example, who approached me about it, said, I want to do it. And I was like, all right, you know, love to have you, you know, uh, will still chief justice is another one who was very, uh, you know, forthcoming said, Hey, like, I'd love to get involved here. And I was like, I love it. You know, if you're willing to go out in a limb and, and try to get to me and, and, and plead your case and show me what you've done, I want to give you the chance. And the timing worked out great. Well, there's other guys that, you know, we really, you know, went after to, to, to try and bring on the show. So, um, so yeah, it just kind of depends. It's no, no host. You know, it's not just one way or the other. Sometimes we're going outside looking for people. Other times they're looking for opportunities and uh, and the timing matches. Well, we, we we always know that coming into the NFL season, you guys always have a bunch of bunch of big announcements about new shows or new developments or you know other shows coming back. And it's certainly always excited to hear about the programming over there at Roto Grinders. I always talk about it. It's just, it's my favorite. It's like literally probably it's it's besides like besides my own show on Sirius. It's it's it's, it's my favorite <laughs> show and it's like my favorite product in in the in the, in, in the daily fantasy space. So definitely recommend if you're listening to this, you definitely probably listen to Roto Grinders or watch that stuff. But if not, you know by all means go over there and go over there and give them a look, um, especially on the media side because it really it's like Dan says it's really engaging and, and fun content. Um, now as far as as far as uh, like your trip to New Jersey, what were you guys doing out there? Yeah. What, what were y'all like? I saw you were on a panel. What the hell were you talking mm-hmm. about? Yeah, I was on a panel. It was the Betting on Sports in America conference, and it was a really well done conference. And it was out in like Jersey, shit, Jersey City, New Jersey, and uh, <laughs> little forty yeah. slip there. <laughs> not, not really. I'll, 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 you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna actually say Jersey was not as bad as I thought, and certainly it was my first time there. And uh, and obviously, you know, being able to like bet on sports was just incredible. But they had me on a panel, basically talking about DFS. And like, is it still relevant? What the future has in store? We had, uh, you know, Peter Shanky from Rotowire. We had um, Nick from FanDuel, one of their uh, head of products. And we had Adam from uh, this site called Prize Picks, is a smaller site. And it was a really fun, engaging kind of back and forth. And, and I was actually nervous that nobody was going to show up because I was like, this is a betting conference, DFS, you know, maybe our best days are behind us. I don't know. Um, but a lot of people were there and had a lot of questions. So I was, I was happy with the turnout, but, um, the conference in general, again, was just uh, going to these things, especially right now. I, I can't recommend it enough for people who are trying to, to, to get into the, the gaming space, the sports betting space, because it's all about relationship building and, and trying to get noticed and get your name out there in front of people. And, you know, that was the who's who of the, the sports betting world at this conference. And, uh, and it was great, you know, talking to a, a number of people. And then for me, just being able to engage the product because, uh, even though sports betting, you know, PASPA has been struck down and it's, it's not banned. It's still not necessarily allowed in very many states right now. And New Jersey is one of the, the first and to have online mobile betting and to kind of mess around with those apps, it was really got my juices flowing once again in terms of thinking of content you can build around that. And, you know, right now we're kind of like in a in a weird spot where there's not a lot of states who are who can you can legally 
use the FanDuel Sportsbook or the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Um, so is it really worth you know spending money on content to do that? Maybe not. But in the not too distant future, we're probably going to have a bunch more states on board. And then I think you can do some really interesting and innovative type of uh, content around betting. And uh, and that's kind of what I'm looking forward to. I'm just waiting for that green light to say, OK, now is the time to do it. And with uh, with a bill passing in in Tennessee, uh, uh, that's super exciting. That means that we'll be able to originate a ton of really, I think, cool, innovative content out of our offices there. So, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm really bullish on, on sports betting. I think it's going to really change the, the landscape of just, you know, sports gaming in general. I don't think it's going to hurt DFS and fantasy. Do you? No, I don't, I don't think it will. I think it's only going to help it because these FanDuel and DraftKings are going to be one of the biggest operators. They already are in, in New Jersey and they're going to continue to market. They're going to spend money to get their name out there. So customers go and sign up for their sports book. Well, if you do that, you're also getting their name out there for DFS. And the one thing to remember is what do people like to do? They like to spend a little bit amount of money to win a lot. That's why you've got $5, $20 entry tournaments to win a hundred thousand or even a million dollars in DFS sports betting doesn't really have that. There's, there's no, way to kind of build up a pool like you do in DFS because DFS is not considered gambling. So therefore you can pool people's money all across the country and have, you know, a $4 million prize pool with a million going to first. You couldn't even do a betting contest like that because betting has to be, has to take place. All the people who are participating has to take place in a singular state. So yeah, you could run a, a big betting contest for Tennessee, but it's never going to be the magnitude of what you would get in a nationwide pool. So that's where DFS, I think, is really going to have the edge and will still have a lot of kind of desirability. And then the simple fact of I think it's easier to win in DFS than it will be into sports betting because it's still peer versus peer. If I think I'm smarter than you, Alex, and I can take your money, then ultimately <laughs> we, we match wits. You know, that's it. Now, for me to sit here and think I'm smarter than the market makers for FanDuel and DraftKings, uh, you know, your edges are so slim there. Like maybe on a given day you might be, but in the long run, probably not going to pan out for you. So uh, that, those are the things where I think DFS is, is definitely going to remain on the up and up. Yeah, and I think that also, I, you know, people, people like you said, you worry about people's um, people saying that – you know, if they if there's, I think that there might be a small sub, uh, just a small group of people that play DFS. It just seems like such a small group of people to me that if you're investing the time to playing DFS, that you would say, look, I can save my time and by just picking the Wizards minus three. You know, I, I I just I don't I don't like that's not the reason I play. I don't play just to get the action. I play because, like you say, dude, it's the puzzle of the day. It's the new slate. You wake up, it's the new. It's the new Rubik's yeah. cube. It's like like you have a you you have this pu- every single day. I mean, it's what I really love about it. Or in football, like every single week, it's a brand new slate. It's a whole new thing to conquer. Yeah, and I think uh, I, I think you're maybe underestimating the number of people who do do it just for action. To be honest with you, well, I think yeah, there is maybe. there maybe. is maybe more people who do that. But here's the difference, and I and I think it's going to hurt more sports like baseball. And maybe basketball just a little bit, just because of all the the injuries and load management, not deciding to play on a given day, you know, late scratches uh, is it does take work to play DFS. You know, if you want to be successful in it, it does take work. Um, you know, I could go get my 
seven-year-old daughter and have her pick lines against the spread. And more likely than not, she's going to finish at 500 when it's all said and done. So like you still have a chance of winning without doing much work in sports betting where in DFS, you really don't have that much uh, chance of winning. And I think there's a lot of people who will look at it and be like, man, I just want to get a sweat on tonight's game. And, and those are going to be the people who are, who are betting. But like I said, there's also a lot of people who, you know, don't want to spend 20 bucks to win, you know, 18 or do I want to spend 20 bucks to maybe win a hundred grand on a given night? I think there's a lot of people who would rather do that. And, um, but I wouldn't certainly wouldn't trivialize the number of people who are into things just for uh, a quick sweat. Cause I think a lot of people are Well, fair enough. And I feel like you probably have a better, a better blind on that than me. So maybe I should adjust those expectations just a, just a little bit as far as, uh, how it's, how it's going to affect, uh, you know, the fantasy industry at all. But then again, man, like I'll probably, you're going to the new, it's not FSTA anymore. It's now it's FSGA. It's like, yeah. the, like the fantasy sports and gaming association. Now it's like they've, They've made it all under one umbrella. So when we talk about these industries being separate, it's it's beginning to feel like they're not quite as separated anymore. Which brings me to this next question I have about affiliate partnerships and affiliate marketing. Like uh, I'm I'm sure Roto Grinders has been super successful with that as far as uh, the daily fantasy sites over the course of time. But with these with the affiliate, it just seems like whenever we get reached out to about affiliate marketing deals with some of these offshore books. Sometimes I wonder, like, um, how comfortable are you with doing affiliate deals with these offshore books where sometimes it seems like it's a little bit hard to, like, I don't want to name names of some of these places, but some, yeah. I mean, some of them are pretty hard to get paid out on. It's like, it's weird stuff where you got to use Bitcoin to, you know, to deposit or stuff like that. Like, what is the state of the affiliate marketing from a content provider as, as we move forward with this in sports betting. And also when it seems like states are sort of taking control of the sports betting and rolling it in with their state lotteries and stuff like that on a state by state basis, are these sorts of affiliate deals where we, where we as content providers send players to these places, are they going to continue to exist on the, on the sports betting side? That's a great question. I'm glad you asked because, um, we don't, mess with offshore and I wouldn't recommend anybody in the content space to mess with offshore and, and not that, you know, you're at risk of, you know, not getting paid by them or anything along those lines. But uh, I think first and foremost is, you know, we've got a legal regulated business that is beginning, is about to boom in this country. And you already look at New Jersey, for example, and, you know, they have made it very clear that, you know, you can't be an affiliate for an offshore book and be an affiliate for a regulated book. That is not going to work. So uh, I think a lot of the other states are going to adopt similar things. And there's a chance that they might even adopt bad actor clauses that state, hey, you know what, if you knowingly took offshore money after X, Y and Z date, um, you know, you're not allowed to be an affiliate at all for a site within you know, uh, our borders. And, oh. and I think that there's huge opportunity here for, for content providers to send players to these regulated markets and, and make money as a company. So, you know, maybe short term, yeah, you get, you know, some pretty good dollars from these online sports books, these offshore sports books, trying to get customers, because I mean, I don't blame them one bit. I mean, it, from the standpoint of, you know, Oh, there's this, all this talk about sports betting. I, I think if you asked your average person, they'd say, like, especially after PASPA was shot down in the, the Supreme Court, oh, sports betting's legal. 
uh, I can just go on to one of these, right, right. you know, sports books and, and bet. And it's, and it's all legal where that's not the case, but they don't care that the narrative isn't true or not. People are finding them on their Google searches and they're betting on their platforms, be it, you know, maybe not above board, maybe not legally, but it, it's taking place. So I, I am very leery of, of anybody taking money from offshore books. I think it's a, it's a short term play and could have long-term ramifications. And, and I think that that sort of um, education is important. I hope the FSGA, I hope they look at that strongly within their members. And, and again, I'm not on the board or anything like that, but I think there's a lot of companies out there who aren't doing it maliciously, who, who are probably looking at it and not even realizing like what I just talked about where it can hurt them in the long run. And I hope they kind of get that education out because, you know, there certainly is going to be a chance of, you know, you maybe not being able to monetize down the road because you took money right now. So it's not a definite that's going to happen, but, you know, we've always been super cautious on this front at Roto Grinders and, and all of our you know, other companies. And, uh, and I recommend other people to do the same. Well, we'll certainly be following your lead after, after <laughs> hearing that answer. Jesus Christ. Um, okay. Uh, let, let me ask you just a couple other quick things, man. I, I know I've, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're running up against it and you got a bunch of stuff to do today. So That's what awesome. about, um, I saw your tweet earlier, man, and I, uh, about you, you're playing in the, in the couple of five, five, fives today for that million dollar prize pool in MLB. <laughs> I don't want to talk over the slate with you, of course, because I want the content to be sem- semi evergreen, but I thought yeah. it was interesting that with the, uh, with, with the state Kings stuff, you know, I've yeah. heard about this and in the poker world, it's, you know, there's a couple of these sites where these poker players are running their packages, especially with the world series coming up and stuff. I saw that you put yours out there with no markup. I was gonna buy a piece of it, man, but it had already sold out by the time I saw the tweet. You sold like yeah. how much? How much of a stake did you sell in your? Uh, I sold. Uh, I I bought two. I got two entries in this for what five fifty five each, so like eleven hundred bucks. And I put half of it up on Stake Kings, and we're we partner with these guys. You know, we think it's a it's it's a fun way for people to partner with you know maybe known players within the industry or play in a tournament or quote unquote play in a tournament, but, you know, have a sweat in a tournament that they might not normally be able to have a buy-in in and, uh, and kind of cheer along, you know, other players who, uh, who you might know. So, you know, we're going to really try and boost this platform up a lot here in the next six to 12 months. And, uh, and yeah, I just thought it was fun today. I was like, you know what, like, you know, the markups, uh, it's not my big thing. Cause I, I, you know, I don't feel like, you know, I'm, I think I'm a good player, but I'm not, you know, I'm not one of these high stakes whales or something who plays, you know, hundred thousand dollars, fifty thousand dollars a day. Um, I just kind of do it because I thought it would be fun, and you know, why not? We got a million dollar tournament on DraftKings, so uh, we're definitely, you know, I think it's a, it's kind of an, an intriguing way to, to, again, for people to kind of play along with with people they know, and and we're encouraging people too. If you if you're somebody who, you know. Uh, thinks that, you know, you're worthy of being able to post a package on state Kings, you know, reach out to them because they're trying to build that market up just a little bit, but, uh, we'll see how today goes. Like, I, I know there's been other people, uh, like our buddy STL Cardinals has put packages up there. I think notorious has, and it's not for everybody because a lot, these guys feel really bad if they don't 
win people money. Uh, I'll feel bad, but I'll get over it because I realize, you know, the risk that you're making by doing this, but you know, it's not for everybody. Um, but I will say like Brandon Adams, he's like their main guy on there for DFS and he has won a lot of money for people who've invested in him. So, um, so yeah, just be on the lookout. We'll probably do a lot more of that moving forward. I think it's just a new, uh, fun new thing that you can do. And for people who might not be familiar, basically what it is, it's called stake Kings and you can just buy a stake in somebody's action via yeah. DFS, uh, poker. You can just say, all right, his buy-in is $10,000. I'm going to put in 20 bucks for 0.005% of his winnings and I'm going to root him on. And so that's yep. how it goes. And the thing is in the poker world, there's been just so much of a, of a brouhaha about, um, about the markups and about the packages. Yeah. And I understand that in poker, it's a little bit different than DFS because in poker, sometimes these poker pros that they travel to these tournaments and do this stuff, they have, um, they have, you know their airline expenses, expenses and their hotels yep. and stuff like that. But the other, the 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 main thing though, and the reason these guys get in these bitch fests on poker Twitter over markups is because of the expected ROI. And and you know yep. they they have all the stuff where you can go look on two plus two or some of these you know poker websites. Um, I for, like the Hinden Mob. I think has has one where you can go look at look at career earnings and stuff like that versus career buy-ins and. They'll get on people for saying like, dude, your your 1.55 markup is way too much. Like, if you look at your career winnings, you're like a 1.35 markup kind of guy. Like, do you do you foresee uh, sim as because I, I I foresee this becoming very popular in the DFS space. Yeah. Do you foresee it in the future, like Siege getting into battles with Draft Cheat over how much their markups are? <laughs> I mean, I, I could I, I could see like one person trolling the other, absolutely, uh, but I don't. I mean, the way I look at it is this is just straight entertainment. You know what? Like, I, I'm not looking at it as is trying to make extra money off of people who back me. And and I don't think that most of these pros are, are going to charge like an unreasonable amount. I think Brandon Adams is like one point one five on his package that he's got up there right now. So you're, you're not you're not talking crazy numbers here. And if they are crazy numbers, people are probably not going to buy them. Um, so uh, I, I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal, but yeah, I could absolutely see it as ammunition for, you know, two guys going at it on Twitter saying, Oh, you know, why are you charging anybody? Why, why would anybody pay extra to back X, Y, and Z? I mean, that's, that's just Twitter for you, but <laughs> I I'm hopeful that it's not going to become a big deal. And again, for, for us, we're looking at it as more entertainment than like true investment. Like, yeah, we hope you make money. Everybody wants to cash. Everybody wants to, 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 to give back to their investors. But ultimately we're looking at it as a way to maybe sweat along with somebody. And, and it's pretty cool to, uh, you know, have people tweet at you and say, Hey, I bought up your package and, and, uh, you know, you know, I got a piece of you tonight. And then, you know, they're kind of like sweating along with you. They'll send you tweets and whatnot. And I, I love that sort of, engagement. And, and that's why we, you know, are interested in, in doing things with stake Kings was because it does fit like the community aspect, which Roto grinders is built on. And, uh, and that's why we're doing it. Not because it's like huge financial upside or anything. I think it, it can really add to the, uh, the community aspect of, of DFS. And we want to, we want to keep that rolling. It is super, super fun. And, you know, just outside of DFS, I'm really looking forward to it for the World Series of Poker. And, and, there, oh, yeah. and there are some people that are doing some, uh, doing some, like, 
I think Daniel Negreanu, he was talking about doing a package where he wasn't going to do any markup for part of one of his main event. I think for his you know part of his main event entry and stuff like that, just to get some more folks more interested. So um, I would definitely be keeping an eye over there for stuff like that. It's just a, it's a fun way to get some action in a maybe a bigger tournament than you could generally afford to play in or something to just kind of dip your toe in and, and, and be able to have a sweat for a, a, a big prize or at least a portion of it. Um, yeah. Okay, so just quickly here, just a couple other things I, I wrote down that I wanted to get with you about. All right, so what about the um, what about the Jaguars? What have, I, I, I know they're your favorite team. What did you think about the no. Jaguars draft? The fact that you know Josh Allen falls to them, and then the fact that the offensive the offensive tackle that was mocked at number eight or wherever you guys picked was it eight or seven i I forget already i think it was seven juan taylor a lot of people figured that he might be going there at seven and you get him in the second round were you just doing backflips or what well this has happened with the jags a bunch i mean if you look at uh i think it was like jalen ramsey followed him in the like just all or well not uh, even it's 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 getting the guy in round two that they thought you might get round one uh cam robinson a couple years ago uh fell to the second round and jacksonville went up and got him uh and he's turned out to be a great player when healthy uh and same thing with miles jack remember when miles jack was going to be like a top 10 pick yeah. was, you know, the Jags might take him. He fell into the second round. The Jacksonville Jaguars grabbed him there. And both those guys have turned out to be just fine, you know, as, as guys who dropped in the draft. So this is the bull- blueprint for Jacksonville is, is find a guy falling and then go up in round two and grab him. And uh, I loved the fact that they were able to do that in this draft. Uh, I am super excited about the tight end too. Oliver. I mean, Jacksonville needed a tight end. Obviously I would have loved a guy like Hawkinson or Fant. Um, but reading more up on Oliver, like I think he's going to fit perfectly for what they need. They need somebody who can line up in the slot. They need somebody who can catch the football. And that's what he does. He's not really a blocker. And uh, obviously you're going to need him to improve in that, but uh, they need somebody who can catch the football at that position for Nick Foles. So uh, don't sleep on Oliver, you know, in the uh, as the third round pick is a guy who could be productive. But then, to you know, just yesterday, Telvin Smith said he's not going to play this year for Which Jacksonville. So crazy, right? Nine and a half million bucks. Like he's just saying, no, I got I, I think there more. There's more to it. I, I don't know exactly what it is. And it's none of our business. But that seems odd to just walk away from that situation, especially after I think they, they paid him pretty well um, a year or so ago. So I don't think it's a contract issue you and uh the dude's a playmaker he was like the heart and soul of that defense so that you know bothers me just a little bit because he is such an important playmaker and i think they would have loved to known that before the draft but josh allen is just going to be like a perfect complement to this defense and uh yeah i'm excited i'm i'm pretty i'm I'm pretty bullish on the jags this year i mean vegas has them at you know an eight win uh you know, uh, uh, win prop this year, um, win total. And I think that's a fair number. And I think right now it's uh, what, maybe nine for Indianapolis. And then, uh, you got the Texans at an eight, it's really close Titans at an eight. So I think the division is wide open and, uh, just the upgrade at that quarterback position and hopefully not getting the injuries on the offensive line and to the wide receiver position is going to, going to help us out this year. So uh, I think the Jags go back to the playoffs this year. I didn't, I actually thought last year they weren't going to make it, 
because I knew the injury, like the year before, they just had zero injuries. Everything went right. It caught up with them last year. I think this year uh, it, it it turns back again. And the people forget people forget how badly injured that offensive line was. And then Leonard Fournette just in and out. Yeah. What do you think about Fournette, man? He's going in the late third round of early of early best ball and redraft leagues. It's just too late, right? I think so. I mean, I think there's too much uh, hate on on Fournette. I mean, I don't think he's like an elite running back in the league, but I think he's in an elite situation where they want to run the football. They've got a good offensive line. And uh, if he stays healthy, he's been pretty productive as the Jags top running back. And now they actually have a quarterback that, you know, can throw the ball and in Nick Foles. I don't think that's going to hurt him one bit. I think it's going to make life maybe a little bit easier on him. So, yeah, I, I think I've got no problem with Leonard Fournette, you know, my, my boy Davis Maddock is already writing him off and saying that, uh, what Ryquel Armstead is going to be the starting running back by the end of the season, which is just <laughs> absolutely ridiculous. You know, I, yeah, it's not going to happen, you know, if he's, if he's healthy. Um, so he's not dust, you know, I just think that, you know, he's just got to keep his head on his shoulders and, and stay healthy and and not do stupid stuff off the, uh, off the field. And, and the thing is here for him, he's got a lot of motivation because he's due for a contract after the season. This is going to be it. He's got one shot at it. If he does not play well this season, do you think he's going to get a big contract? Hell no. So he's got a ton of incentive to play well and, uh, and, and try and earn that, that big contracts because the running backs really only get one of them. And, and, and here's a shot. 